Greetings in Jesus' name. This I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and I apologize for the technical difficulties. We started the stream on our end at exactly noon, but uh, somehow it didn't get from us to uh, the streaming platforms. And so if you've been wondering what's going on, uh, I guess that was a little test to sift the crowd. <laughs> uh, praise God. Uh, I, I remember a story uh, I read about uh, uh, John Wesley. He was he had learned that uh, negative circumstances and persecution was proof that he was in the will of God, doing the will of God, and he had been going along, and, and he had he was riding on his horse, traveling from one place to the next. He was deeply troubled because he hadn't been persecuted in several days. And he was repenting and asking God to forgive him because he had obviously displeased God because he was not stirring up any persecution. And so uh, he was praying so loud and crying out to God in repentance so loud that there was a drunk laying in the bushes on the side of the road that got disturbed and woke up. And he, in his uh Hangover, he got up and saw a rock, picked it up, threw it at Wesley, missed. Uh, but Wesley began to praise God and thank him for hearing his prayer of repentance. So I guess this technical glitch is uh, just part of the process. And be warned, my friend, you don't participate in spiritual warfare and think that anything's going to go smoothly in your life or in your church again until victory is won. So if that's a problem for you, just do yourself a favor. Just click off the stream and go to some other thing and ignore this. Because this is serious business. Serious business. Again, I'm Bishop Chester Wright. And this is Call to War Video directive number one. Now, that's not my word. Back in 2016, when the Lord told me to do Call to War 2016 and get a 24-hour prayer chain going uh, around the world, uh, he, uh, he gave me the word briefing and told me to do video briefings. I'd never done anything like that before. And... Uh, so I did that at the beginning of Call of War 2020 at his instruction. But he told me that Friday was going to be the last of those video briefings. And that a new direction would begin. And he gave the word directive, so I make no apologies for it. So this is Call of War 2020, directive number one. And this is a very critical directive because it is going to give an overview of what we're going to do together, all that will, to come together against the gates of hell and receive the promise that God has made that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, not against a church not against a son of God, but against the church. And I'm willing, and I hope that you're willing, to be representative of all of those who either have not heard of this or don't want any part of it or are too afraid to be a part of it so that we can uh, pray together and see the promise of God fulfilled. There are uh, two types of uh, command authority. There is strategic authority and that makes strategic decisions. And then there is tactical authority that makes tactical decisions. And the, the difference is basically this. Strategy is Planned by the most senior of 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 the uh, uh, the military leaders, the commander chief gives a direction. Let's fight this war. Let's win it. We're not going to be treated like this. 
but it is the senior military people that come together in council and they set, they put forth a strategy. And then that strategy is broken down into objectives that must be accomplished in order to win the war. That's strategy, strategy. The call of war briefings were strategizing. But tactical decisions are made by the, uh, the platoon commander, by the, uh, uh, company commander, the battalion commander, who are on the ground attempting to accomplish specific goals or missions that all fit into the overall strategy. And those are tactical objectives. And they're tactical decisions. Now, the problem is this for many of us. I spent four years at the Naval Academy being trained to make decisions to send men to die. Because you want to? No. But because the company... The, 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 excuse me, the, uh, uh, the country and its needs to win the war against its enemies is greater than the life and or well-being of one, any one individual. And there will be casualties in any war. And there will be casualties in this war. Some will backslide from this effort. Others will be so wounded during the effort that while they will live, they will not be themselves. You're trying to scare us. I'm, I'm not be, I'm not trying to scare you and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I have watched this happen over the years. Well, let's don't do anything. No. The reason those things happen is because either they didn't fight correctly in God, in God. The reason those things happen is they didn't fight with faith, they didn't fight with understanding, or they didn't fight with his equipment, or they didn't fight according to his will and direction. Because he's promised us that he's given us, King James says, power, the Greek is exousia, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. But let me tell you what, spiritual warfare will expose every weakness you've got. It will expose every flaw in your faith. Now, you can run from that and continue to hide from those things and may end up saved or may end up lost. Or you can have courage and faith in God and approach these things the way that we are being called to do and know that His love and grace will keep you If you are truly submitted to him, no matter what wounds you may get. And so in that strategic decision-making process, there are major objectives (coughs) that are decided on by those older experienced generals and admirals that says, this is what we've got. These are the things we've got to do to win the war. And then in that strategy, they have to decide what men and material material are we going to have to have available? What supply lines are going to have to be established? What what equipment and weapons must we have? How many men must we have? What kind of training do they need to be able to accomplish the, the goal of the strategy? But the priorities of the tactical decision makers completely different. Because you're the one that knows the people personally. You know the men. You know their trials, their tests. You may even know their families. But it is absolutely necessary to remember that spiritually or otherwise, every person that stands and raises their hand, and I'm saying this literally about this country, but I'm talking about spiritually for those that are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will uphold and defend, I swear, that I will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. There's not one of those people 
that doesn't understand it, at least in the back of their mind. They just committed to die for the cause if that's what required for the cause. That's why so many churches get so off base because everything they do is coddling, pampering, petting, entertaining, not preparing them, as Paul said, to endure hardness as a good soldier. That's the word of God. So in these tactical decisions, those decisions have to be made. So the briefings could be planned and they could be recorded. But tactical decisions don't have the luxury of time. They have to be made in a relatively short order. And as people give feedback to me and others that are working with me on this, and we see what about this need, what about that, what about this, what do we do here and there, we will be able to give those things to God, get his direction, and in a short amount of time, set up some kind of communication for those that want it and record those that can't get to it so that we can respond quickly to the needs of those that are actually fighting the tactical battle. Because if we don't fight, there will not be an end time harvest. There is no kingdom without the cross. There is no harvest without the seed falling to the ground and dying. There isn't. And any shortcut we take around that means we're planting plants that the Father didn't plant. And Jesus said they will be rooted up. They're going to be rooted up. Because he doesn't take ownership of them. So here we are in this time of war. And this directive number one is going to be basically an overview. I'm going to try to be very sensitive to the Holy Ghost and not get into too much detail in this, uh, in this particular session, but just to give those that want to, that are going to participate some kind of overview of how we are going forward. So I'm saying this to you again, and I've got some things the Holy Ghost has given me I've written down, and I'm going to read some of it, and I'll comment on it as the flow of the Spirit dictates. This is war. The Holy Ghost has specifically started this time of warfare in the Spirit against the gates of hell and against the spirit of iniquity that is working so predominantly and prevalently in our world today. This is God's time for war. I make no apology. You either believe that statement or you don't. I don't have anything to do with that. That's between you and God. But for those that have the Lord is born witness with you in your spirit that this is his time for war. I'm talking to you. Since I was finished with everything else on Friday night, I have done my best by the grace of God to turn out every other input, every other voice, except to focus on those that are in this together and to do everything I can along with others who have input uh, in these decisions and these directions that we might be able to be perfectly in tune with God on this. Perfectly in tune. And that we might do the will of God. At some point, I may share with you who those voices are that are receiving input and that we are talking about these things and praying about them together. Now, not always, uh, and you'll see why in a few minutes, but uh, most of the time the directives will be done by me. Uh, I'm more than willing for someone else to do directives. Uh, but I'm going to obey God, whichever way that goes. So coming specifically against the gates of hell is not something that anyone or any single church should attempt to do alone. Can I be so strong in this statement as to say it's foolishness? Be- because it's too easy for the adversary to focus his defenses Upon just one of us. Satan is not omnipresent. Neither are his demonic troops. Each one of them is a finite presence. They can only be at one place at one time. 
Therefore, the more of us who are warring, the less each individual and local church is vulnerable of his counterattacks. So I'm praying that we get tens of thousands, at least, of God's people seriously committed to praying spiritual warfare in some kind of strategic, organized, effective effort so that the adversary won't know what hit him and won't know how to defeat it. Because there won't be any one person, there won't be any one group of people, there won't be any one local church that he can focus all of his strength on and defeat and win the battle. Therefore, again, the more of us who are warring, the less each individual in the local church is vulnerable to his counterattacks. This war warfare needs to be done by as much of the body of Christ as possible when attacking against the gates of hell, preferably not by local churches doing isolated warfare. So because we are doing, and I'll go into more details of this, but most of you know this, because we're doing this, uh, this, this collective effort of so many churches each day doing 24 hours of prayer round the clock and fasting that day, you and I can know that if we're a part of that effort, that somebody, some brother or sister or groups of brothers and sisters are praying somewhere with us. And even though it may not be our day or time, the Spirit moves on us and we can immediately join into prayer with them, meeting with them at the throne of grace immediately in the Spirit and know we're not doing this by ourselves. We're not doing this by ourselves. The more that are truly involved in this warfare, the better it is for everybody. Warning. And I am warning you of this with everything in me. This is not cute. This is not fun. This is not neat. This is not cool. This is serious business. Do not, do not start this warfare unless you plan on seeing it through to victory because you will make yourself a casualty. Everybody that backs away or flees in the face of the enemy is defenseless in retreat. And it would be better for you and better for this effort, better for the kingdom of God, that you sat in the sands as a vic- as a spectator, that you get involved in this and decide in a week or two or a month or six months or however long this is going to take, that we don't want to do this anymore. The price is too high. I'm serious. I couldn't be more serious. It would be better for you right now to turn this video off and stop watching it, whether you're watching it live or sometime later with it archived, then it would be for you to get all involved because it sounds neat or cool or whatever it is you think and stop. It would be better. I want to talk to you about this change in focus of my ministry. Up to now this year, the, the way the Lord has used me was to be one of the voices calling the church to repentance. But as I said a few times last week, after Friday, May the 1st, I am now focusing almost exclusively on leading those who are participating in spiritual warfare. Meanwhile, I will also continue to record and provide training and equipping teaching series of videos uh, primarily in the studio. So I'm going to be doing both of those things. I'm going to be warring with you, praying with you, and uh, being sensitive to what's going on and trying to respond to uh, you and to also the voices that are working with me in this effort. And I will also be doing new training series on spiritual warfare. I'm in the midst of doing at least two new studio teaching series on spiritual warfare. You say, what, what about all of those uh, call to war seminars you did? Those are, uh, those were much more spiritual encounters than they were actual training sessions. I tried when I, when they started, I tried to do them as training and equipping sessions. And the Lord did some of that. 
But more than anything else, what he was trying to do was expose people to the reality of spiritual warfare, to the need for spiritual warfare, and what it felt like. But now there needs to be some systematic training on that. And I have two series that I'm going to try to get uh, uh, accomplished here in the next week or so, and we will try to get them started streaming online uh, you're, well, obviously, as soon as they begin to be posted, and if you have subscribed to either Apostolic Iron uh, a YouTube channel or Bible with the Bishop YouTube channel, and you hit notification, then you will get notifications when these have been posted, and you'll be able to watch them immediately. We're also going to be streaming them live online uh, as the Lord dictates. The first one is going to be the necessities uh of or the essentials of winning at spiritual warfare. There are things that you cannot win without having in your life, without knowing in your life, etc. And I, I will be on Monday, uh, uh, May the <laughs> today is the eighth, and so nine tenth, eleventh, I guess it would be at noon. I will be streaming live an overview of that subject and that. Uh, Call to War 2020 Directive Number Two will become the overview of the series, the necessities or the the, the elements that are necessary for winning at at spiritual warfare. The second series I'm going to be doing is the biblical principles of spiritual warfare, which is the revelation of spiritual warfare, and of course, if you know me at all. Both of those series will be full of book, 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 and then some more book. Because my opinion, my uh, experiences, my uh, 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 personal methodologies are totally irrelevant when it comes to this. The only thing that matters is what the Word of God says. And each one of us, allowing the Spirit of the Lord to use us, and work through us as he would do each one of us. And then when you put the collective efforts of all of these individual members of the body, and each one of us obeying God and his overall direction for the whole effort and and his direction for us individually, then we have this corporate strategic effort that is doing the tactical things to win. So, I'm going to be starting those. These uh, uh, video teaching series will be the impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in understanding and knowing how to do effective spiritual warfare. You say, but we've already started. Yes, we have. Well, how can we do that without that? Because for too many of us, until we try it and fail at it and try it and try it hard and fail at it and try it and fail at it, we don't get humble enough to realize, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. Teach me. And so that's why he already started on Friday, May the 1st, and this is Friday, May the 8th. Yeah. So we've been going a whole week now. Some have already had their prayer. And let me tell you something right now. <laughs> if uh, If you think that you have not experienced any kind of counterattack in your spirit or in your mind in this last week, if you're on board with this, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what's wrong with you. That's what you've been going through. That's why you haven't been able to figure out what's wrong. Because you don't, you don't make a stand and take a stand and say, we're going to be involved in coming against the gates of, the, uh, of hell. And some little demon go and tell his master, Hey, boss, there's guys over here that are going to pray to defeat us. Right. I'm not being silly. In fact, I believe this as seriously as I've ever believed anything in my life. I believe this as seriously and as important to a person's salvation and to the coming end time harvest as Acts 2.38 and the revelation of the oneness of God. I don't have anything against Germans or Japanese. But I was raised speaking English, not German or not Japanese. Because I had a dad 
that participated with many of your dads or grandfathers who spent 39 straight months in the South Pacific, joined the Navy the day after Pearl Harbor. And the enemies of this country were defeated. And the whole country went to war. The whole country. And we won because every manufacturer shut down what they were doing and began to produce war materials. Even little kids collected rubber and scrap metal on the sides of the road and turned it in in the scrap metal drives to be able to have steel, to recycle that steel, not even a term I think was used back then, to make weapons and ammunition. Yeah, build ships, planes. Right. The whole country went to war. It was World War, and the whole country went to war, and we won. Now, I'm not over the church of the living God. That's not my job. I'm only called to be a conduit to lead those in this battle that will follow. And I'm not saying that if you want to do it all on your own, that I don't, I can't stop you. Don't have any intent to stop you. But, oh, Lord, have mercy. If you're not doing it under a covering and at direction of the Holy Ghost, and if you're not doing it in some kind of collective group, you are not going to like it. You're not going to like it. Because America didn't win World War I, and America didn't win World War II. America was a part of the collective allies that joined together for the cause and the purpose. And my prayer is that like the United States that didn't start in the war at the beginning of World War I or at the beginning of World War II, that some of you that won't start in this war with us will somewhere along the line go, oh, whoa, whoa, I missed that. I want to get on board. And I say to you now in advance, welcome. We need all the help we can get. The only glory we're looking for in this is his glory. So that being said, I'm going to warn you of something as seriously as I have ever made a statement in my entire life. Do not go to war against the adversary uncovered by authority. Don't do it. And if you don't believe in that principle and you think it's a bunch of hogwash and you think it's a bunch of idiots like me that are deceived and all that kind of stuff, then I welcome you to try. And my adversary will make a believer out of you because I'm not going uncovered. I've already demonstrated, and God gave me the opportunity to demonstrate that I am submitted because I am not an egotist. I am not, I don't think I have all the answers or I'm the end all to be all. I'm just a person trying to be saved by grace that needs a savior every moment of the day. And I believe with all my heart that without him, I could do nothing. And without following the principles of his word, I have no hope of being saved, not even counting growing a church or seeing victory in this spiritual warfare. I refuse to battle uncovered. You do what you will, but I'm telling you, you're going to learn. You'll be convinced. I'm trying to spare you a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, if you just listen to me. You don't have to. That's fine. You'll either become a prisoner of war, spiritually called a captive, who are taken captive at by him at his will, Paul said, or... You will, I'm not talking about demon possessed. I'm just talking about being bound by fear, bound in your mind, not having faith that works, just trying to stay saved and not even being sure of that. Yeah. I'm saying it again. Do not participate in spiritual warfare without a covering of authority over you. According to the biblical principles, unless there's somebody in your life who can tell you no, then you're not under authority. And I know, I know, I've been putting up with it 
for 20 years carrying a title I didn't ask for, didn't want, and tried not to take, but was required by my oversight to let them ordain me as a bishop. I don't want the title today. <laughs> Anybody thinks I do, you don't know me at all. There's only one reason I got the title and whatever it means to God. Because whatever it means to people is not even important. It's what it means to God. And if they recognize what it means to God, then and it means that to them, then fine. But it's not that, it's not me. It's not me. It's God's authority you've got to be under. You've got to be covered by authority. I want to be covered by authority. I proved I would be covered by authority. There's nobody can say that I'm not willing to be covered by authority. Even when, naturally speaking, I don't agree with the authority. But I submitted to the authority. And I'm not taking it back. Because I'm covered. <laughs> now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it very carefully. Do not go say something I'm not saying. You can be covered for this warfare only for the time being as a part of this warfare and only for the sake of this warfare by submitting to the directions and oversight being given for this warfare by the Holy Ghost through me or others that are working with me in this effort. I can't help how you take that. That's what he said. I'm saying it. However, make it, make that very, this very clear. Following is a part of this effort and submitting to this effort. If you don't have authority that you're under, that you're participating with this by that authority's permission and covering. If you submit to the authority and the direction of this warfare, <clears throat> that does not make me, and I don't accept the titles or the responsibility in your life of being your pastor or your bishop or any other authority in your life except for this warfare. And I'm not leading or participating in leading individuals or specific churches in this warfare. I'm only leading in the spirit those that are following what God does and says. So therefore, you still need a covering, a personal covering. The sooner the better. So very quickly here. I hope most of you already know this, but I'm going to go through it again because this is so critical. Here are the instructions for this warfare, as simple as they are, that each church would, by the Holy Ghost, choose one day a week that for 24 hours, each, each that day, on that day, each week, you have a 24 hour prayer chain going, covered by the people of your church. Whether you got enough people for them to only take one uh, link in that chain, or some of them have to take two or three, or if you as the leader have to fill in the blank places in order to have a complete chain every day that in that a part of that, or if you are a smaller church and you need to join with two or three other uh, churches, and collectively you have a prayer chain. Uh, that's what you do. And I'm requesting that they be two-hour shifts. Now, the length of the shifts can vary according to the local leadership's direction for, from God for each week. But I'm saying to you, the reason I'm strongly suggesting, because I feel two hours, is that when we go into spiritual warfare, it's our time. It's our time to do our link in the chain for that day. You don't just turn that on. You don't turn it, you just don't turn it on. It's going to take a little while and I don't know. I don't know how much resistance you'll be getting, which is exactly what warfare is as you go into that. And if you only are praying an hour, you're, you don't learn how to resist until he flees. Every single encounter with a Satan must be one. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 that the, his whole focus was for us to stand. 
Because in this conflict, if you got knocked off, if you get knocked off your feet, unless one of your, your fellow soldiers comes to your rescue very quickly, you're dead. You're dead. And so every one of these individual prayer sessions has to be one. And the people praying in that prayer session need to pray until the resistance is completely broken in them. Whether they're praying in tongues and don't even know what they're praying, but they're letting the Spirit intercede and war through them. Or whether they're praying the elements of kingdom warfare. Or whatever other means they are praying and warring. You've got to win that link. you got to win it. Why? Because what the next person's going to encounter when they pick it up in your chain is going to encounter your resistance and theirs too. And so the whole thing begins to break down if each soldier fighting in their session doesn't win their battle. And that's Bible. That's Bible. That's Bible. Bible. Because if you get knocked off your feet like Peter did, Jesus said, I prayed for you. You're gonna, you're gonna deny me, Peter. You're gonna, you're gonna lose the conflict. But I prayed for you. That after you're converted, meaning you see what you've done and you repent, that you'll be strengthened. And then you'll come to the aid of your brothers. Yeah. The book is full of this. And there isn't any part of the book that doesn't apply to this directly or indirectly. Yes. So, please pray only warfare during this one shift that you've committed to do each week. Even if that means you have to pray the entire time in the Spirit, in tongues, because you don't know what else to do. If you don't know what to pray, Paul already said that's our problem. Let the Spirit pray. And it's not about feeling. Praying in tongues is spiritual. It's not emotional. So pray even if you feel nothing. Let the Spirit pray through you. Because if you'll press through with that, when you don't even know what to say, you're just letting the Spirit pray, you will break through the resistance that you're personally encountering in that prayer. And here's the problem. This is the problem most of us don't understand. Because many times we go to prayer in our personal prayer. And we don't feel anything. And we think, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be praying now. He won. Uh, I got stuff to do. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I was willing to pray a little devotion here or whatever, but, uh, not now. He won. Because when you go to prayer and there's resistance there, you've just come face to face with the adversary. Who's going to win? So in all of this warfare, we're not only doing this for the kingdom's sake. We're not only doing this for the lost sake. We're doing it for our own sake. Because we're going to learn how to pray and have victory in our personal life, in our personal prayer lives every day. Oh, and by the way, you can't just pray warfare in your committed time each week. You may or may not pray war, some kind of warfare every day. That's not it. You've got to be available. You gotta be available. Now, I've asked again that during this 25 hour of your prayer chain, that the entire group will fast. How they fast is up to the leader of that church, not me. Whatever the Holy Ghost tells you, that fast for that day of that particular week should be, that's what you do. But I don't believe that any group is going to pray the same day every week for months and months and months on end, whenever, however long it takes. There may be weeks you may have to change, adjust your day for that week. But there are more than enough people praying on every day. More than enough. That if you have to switch to another day, you're not letting anybody down. Obey the Holy Ghost. Obey the Holy Ghost. Just don't let the adversary win by saying, we're going to take the week off because this conflicts with something we've got going on. Same thing with fasting. 
Some days on your time, you will fast the entire 24 hours. Some of you will actually go without water for 24 hours. Others, you will eat one meal in the midst of that day from the time you go to bed of the previous day till the time you get up of the day following. You'll eat one meal then. Not my problem. That's between you and God, how you do it, leader. However you and your group does that, that's between you and God. What day of the week it is, your call. What, uh, what, what, how you do it from, uh, from midnight to midnight or 6 a.m. one day to 6 a.m. the next day or 6 p.m. to 6. I don't care. It's not my call. Your call. And what day of the week you do this on and how you fast and how long the, 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 uh, uh, the links in the chain are in that prayer chain. None of those, none of those are our call. That's your call. All of that you need to do. You need to pray and find out what God wants you to do. But I'm saying to you again, we must pray kingdom prayer every day. It doesn't have to be a long period of kingdom prayer. I could pray kingdom prayer uh, as when the Lord leads me to do this in 15 minutes. Or as the spirit flows, I could pray kingdom prayer for four, five, six hours if I'm flowing in the spirit in kingdom prayer. But that is the foundation for all warfare. Kingdom praying is the foundational prayer for all warfare because it's how Jesus commanded us to pray every day. And also, because of verses like Romans 8, 26 and 27, the other foundational prayer is praying in the spirit as the Lord leads through every day. Why? Because we must stay in tune with the Holy Ghost. Not just that one day of commitment, that one prayer session of that one day during a whole week, but we the warriors must stay in tune with the Spirit. Now, being in tune with the Spirit doesn't mean if God says go fishing, go fishing. Just stay in tune with the Spirit. If you go for a walk with your wife, go for a walk with your wife. Just stay in tune with the Spirit. Yesterday, they opened the golf courses. Who knows? I may go playing golf. You, well, but we're in warfare. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we sure are. And I can pray anytime, any place, every place, every time. And I don't ever go on a golf course I'm not praying while I'm out there. People I'm praying with probably don't know it. But I'm praying. I'm not, I don't want to go anywhere, do anything. I can't pray while I'm doing it at all. Cause I don't want this connection ever broken. I want to be constantly submitted to his spirit. So I'm always listening. I don't always have to be talking, but I always want to be listening. We must be ready to yield also to the, to the Holy Ghost in warfare intercession and travail intercession at any time as the spirit may decide for us to do so. So in the in the organized effort, in the structured effort, everybody that's participating, your church takes one day, whatever day that is, and people take links in that chain of prayer, however long those sessions are, and everybody fasts however you feel to fast. But you can't turn warfare on and off. It's always got to be there. God is in control. We are not. He is in control of timing and not us. We cannot war by telling him what to do. We must let him lead us. Now, I've talked about this a lot, but I'm just going to mention it here again. You cannot have victory over the spirit of iniquity by... You can't, or excuse me, there is no victory over the spirit of iniquity by those who are working iniquity. And iniquity is simply living by your will, running your own life, make your own decisions. If you are still doing iniquity, if that's your lifestyle, I beg of you not to war because every good military commander identifies the weak links and attacks them. And there's no greater weakness 
no greater weakness than claiming to be a Christian and living by your own will. I'm not going to go through those verses again, but uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 23 again tells you how Jesus feels about his people that are workers of iniquity. But let's look at Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, it's not about the amount of faith we have that's the problem. Ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But, but, there it is, but, which of you, having a servant, plowing, that's what preaching is, convicting preaching breaks up the fallow ground of the hearts of men and women, and feeding cattle, which is the verb, the Greek verb that is the root of the word shepherd, and because obviously here, Cattle in King James 1611 English is not just what we would call bovines, but they are sheep. So which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, which are ministries, are they not? Will say unto him by and by when he has come in from the, come from, from the field, go and sit down to meat and would not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me Till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. And I'm going to put this in here right now. If all you do through all of this period of time is spiritual warfare, and you don't ever have time each day between you and Jesus, and your fellowship with Jesus, you will wear out quickly. And in your your spiritual, your mental, emotional, physically, and spiritual fatigue, you will fail you will become a casualty. So all of this warfare is necessary. But there's also, it's also got to be balanced. No matter how much ministry you do in the spirit, in this conflict, it's got to be balanced for your sake and for your strength's sake with your personal time of fellowship with him. And being tired is not an excuse. Jesus just said that. And would not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith thou may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward ye shall eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? King James says, I trow not. Our terminology would be, I don't think so. So likewise ye. Oh, so Jesus takes this parable and then points it at them, which points it at us. When you shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we haven't earned a thing and we don't deserve anything. And the Lord is not obligated to give us anything because we've only done that which was our duty to do. And trust me, Satan will constantly test your and my resolve and commitment to do only the will of the Father every day. Every moment of the day. Why? Because it's the only way he can defeat you. The only way he can defeat you is either for you to choose to do your will in anything or for him to convince you without you knowing it's him to do any will other than the Father's will. Why? Because the adversary knows this, Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. If I regard iniquity in my heart... The Lord will not hear me. So he has to try to convince you to do some will other than the Father's, either your own will or the will of that thought that keeps pounding in your brain. So if he can get us to do our will and we don't repent, then any and all warfare done through us will not work. And he'll win, and he knows that. To defeat the enemy, it's not more faith that we need. It is more submission to authority that we need. Because Jesus said, even the tiniest of faith can uproot mighty trees. In another place, he said, and will move mountains. If the one speaking those words of faith is submitted to authority. God's authority is only imparted by delegation through submission. 
that is an invaluable biblical principle. God will never make exceptions for that, ever. God's authority is only imparted by delegation through submission. We never own it. We never take possession of it. We're only trusted with it when we prove that we can be trusted by our submission. The enemy does not fear our power because he has power. Oh, yes, he does. He fears our authority because our authority comes from God, and he doesn't have any choice but listen to God's authority. That's why Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give you, King James says, power. The Greek word is not dunamis, but exousia, authority. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Just take, for example, the use of the name of Jesus. Using the name of Jesus while being submitted to his authority is synonymous to using the authority of Jesus. It's exactly the same thing. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name, his name is above every name, and that name's been called on me in water baptism. It's now my family name because it's the family name of heaven and earth. But I don't have a right to use that name except the Father grant me that because I'm in submission to him. You say, I don't believe that. Well, so a child, even though they have the family name, can go around making bills for the dad unless that authority has been delegated to them? Now, you wouldn't put up with that. Why would God? So just because you have the family name, doesn't mean you have the authority to use that name or him or that he will use that name through you. I cannot use the name of Jesus with authority if I'm not first submitted to his authority and I'm not submitted to his authority because I listen to God and nobody else because God's got eternal principles established there. He said you can't say you love God if you don't love your brother. That's a commandment. Jesus said, and John is the one that hammered on that. So I can say I love God all I want, but if I don't love my brother, I don't love God. And the word of God very specifically says that. That's the principle. So I can say I'm submitted to God all I want, but when I don't acknowledge the authority of God in others, and I'm not willing to submit to somebody with that authority to be my oversight and my covering, I don't have authority. Well, I have a license with an organization, yes, and I'm a district superintendent, and I'm telling you right now, the organization has no authority to make the pastors and ministers in this organization do anything they don't want to do, as long as they pay their fees, and they don't preach false doctrine, and they don't get caught in adultery or some other immorality, and they're not stealing, et cetera, et cetera. Those things, basically, that's the only thing that gives this organization authority over us. That is it. So the fact that you and I have a license doesn't give anybody authority over us as spiritual accountability. I know some won't like that. I can't help that. That's true. So submission is much more than obedience. Submission is an attitude, a commitment, a lifestyle. So let me give you some direction here uh, from the Holy Ghost. This is the basics of the Call to War 2020 directives. And this is the first thing we're going to be doing as a part of that. Uh, is setting up how we're going to be able to communicate these directives most of the time. So the new direction of my ministry for this new phase of what God is doing now will utilize all online platforms for the communicating of Call to War 2020 directives. However, this new focus will primarily utilize Zoom. 
not Facebook, not YouTube, the majority of the time. Therefore, we will be doing things differently for this effort. These Call to War 2020 directives will primarily be focused on communicating with the leaders who are responsible for calling and motivating their people to war in the spirit, making the commitments for the church group, for the, uh, for the, uh, scheduling the dates of prayer and fasting, and populating the 24-hour prayer chains, etc. I'm not doing that. So we're going to have communication meetings, directives meetings, where we communicate about what's going on and how we need to respond, who needs prayer, etc., etc. Thus, these Zoom directives will be primarily for them. As a result of the above, if this description applies to you and you'd like to participate by Zoom, please send an email requesting access by emailing ctwzoom at apostoliciron.com. One more time, that is ctw, call to war, ctwzoom at apostoliciron.com. Please note, I, I appreciate every child of God has followed all the stuff that I preached, and God bless you, and I'm happy for you, and I love you very much. God bless you. But I cannot accept requests from saints to be a part of this effort. This has got to be done through and by authority. It's got to be led by authority that is submitted to authority. And it's got to be directed by those that are submitted to authority over the troops that are doing the warfare. And if your pastor's not on board, then I cannot communicate with you. There will be some directives that will be uh, available online. They will not be held private. There will be uh, all of the teaching I'm doing on warfare will still be available like everything else. But I cannot, I cannot request, accept requests from saints. Furthermore, I will not accept requests from ministers who are under a pastor without their pastor's written permission attached to the email. And I will review personally every request. My staff will not be doing that. And if this information is there, your request will either be turned down or it will be sent back to you for completing of the required information. Why are you doing this? Because I was told to. Exactly like I was told to do it. So for your request to be granted and your name to be added to the email list to receive the link for the Zoom directives meetings. You must identify who you are, what state or country you live in, who your spiritual authority is, and or what your ministerial status or office currently is. If you're a pastor, you say so. If you're a bishop, you say so. If you're an evangelist, you say so. Etc., etc., but those that are under a pastor in a local church, you cannot, you cannot be a part of this as a saint. Or if you're a minister, I don't care how old or young, if you're under a pastor, you have to have his written permission attached to your request to be a part of this. The Lord will not allow me to make any exceptions to the above except for very extenuating circumstances which will be determined on a case-by-case basis by the collective wisdom of those who have joined with me in this. These Zoom directive meetings will vary as the Spirit of the Lord leads. They may include but will not be limited to direction, instruction, encouragement, etc., Occasionally, there will be some opportunity given for two-way communication as the Lord leads. However, the primary reason for using Zoom to do these directives is to control access. There's nothing going on in this I'm, I'm ashamed of. Nothing in there I'll be embarrassed over. And I don't care if they're all shown. But in order to protect the chain of command in this effort, which has to be respected in warfare, we have to do this through a means other than Facebook Live or YouTube Live or whatever, whatever. If we accept your request to participate and you miss a Zoom directed meeting, and it was a meeting that will will not be made public, 
uh, they will be recorded and archived on apostoliciron.com. But there will be an area on the website which will require both a username and password to access those non-private video messages, those directives. Those whose names are accepted for access to the Zoom meetings will also be able to set up an access to the archived private videos. The only exceptions to this will be if the Lord explicitly directs that a specific directive be made publicly available after the fact or if he says before the fact that the Zoom meeting will be streamed on all platforms, that it will be done that way. Again, anyone who's accepted to participate in these Zoom directives meetings will have access to all of the archived videos and has tacit approval to enable anyone under their oversight to watch the meetings as they so choose. So, if you want your leaders to watch this, any of these, if you want your people to watch any of these uh, that are marked private, that's on you. You're the one that will have to use your username and password to make them available in whatever setting you make them to your people. You just do not have the authority to publish anywhere with public access those directives that are marked private. Now, this the notes for this session, this directive number one, will be posted on apostoliciron.com for you to download and go over just so you make sure you don't understand anything being said in this. Now again, since the Zoom sessions are primarily for Call to War 2020 directives, the meetings will be focused directly or indirectly on the specific task of attacking the gates of hell as a unified focused effort and restraining the spirit of iniquity as Paul said for us to do in 2 Thessalonians 2. One more time, some of the Zoom directed meetings will be streamed to various platforms for anyone to watch while others will only be available to those who sign up to participate through Zoom and that will be the great majority of all the directives. Now, whatever's done between now and next Friday, when we get all this working to the best of our ability, I don't expect to have any directives that will be done through Zoom, therefore privately, before next Friday. So next Friday would be the beginning of the possibility of having a Zoom meetings for directives. Please carefully read the following. And I'm going to read the following. The effort is, this effort is not in any way a replacement for your organization, whatever church you're a part of, or any other spiritual authority structure in your life. This is not starting another organization. This spiritual effort is only a God-directed spiritual endeavor to see the promise of Jesus fulfilled that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church by putting the works of focused, spiritually authoritative prayer with our faith. This is a spiritual offensive of supernatural warfare for the purpose of binding the strong man and spoiling his house, thereby delivering the captives and seeing souls saved And that's called end-time harvest. Make no mistake, this is no more and no less than than that. So in closing, remember this. I cannot schedule directives in advance. I or we must be ready to respond at a moment's notice. So the email for the Zoom directive meetings will rarely ever go out more than 24 hours before the meeting. Rarely ever. That means if you can't make time for a directive meeting that is announced on Zoom, or you don't get the email, then I'm telling you what you've got to do. you got to plan on going to the archive and to be able to watch it. Finally, finally, We must pray one for another. We can't just pray against demonic spirits. According to Paul 
in his teaching on spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, one of the main focuses of prayer were twofold. Ephesians 6.18, that all this warfare we're doing should always include praying for the saints. And then Paul said, and pray for me. And I'm asking you to pray for me and those who will be involved in helping me lead this effort. Please. Please. In Jesus' name, Father, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of grace from you upon us, we surrender and submit ourselves to you, to your word, to your spirit, to your authority, that we might obey your word and fulfill this plan, this time that you've called us to, to come against the powers of darkness, that we might see that which you call from the beginning of your prophecy of the church, that we might see the end of that fulfilled, that we might receive the prophecy that Peter spoke, that in the last days, saith God, we will see the miraculous outpourings and workings of your spirit in drawing people to you that they saw in the first century church, and that souls, thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions and, yea, billions of souls would be saved before your coming, and that you would use us to do that. For, Father, we submit to you first to be warriors, and that by submitting to you as warriors, just like you called us to pray for laborers to go forth, we are the prayers And then when you fulfill the prayers, we will be the warriors. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray these things. God bless you in Jesus' name.